I'm Natalie Heacock. And I'm Chelsea Brown. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hello. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Lumber Slingers. Hey, Nat. Hi, 2022 Lumber Slingers. First one. First one. We did it in January. We made it. We made one in January. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm particularly excited about our episode today because we're talking to Sarah Padfield, who's a partner at DeLap. And it's different because we're not talking to somebody who's directly in the lumber industry, but they are very involved in our business and help us be more successful in what we do. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Sarah, who's a partner at DeLap, and she brings with us over 17 and a half years of experience. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Hello. Thanks for being with us. Of course. I'm excited. Avid listener to Lumber Slingers. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, fun fact. My first podcast ever was with you. Yeah, I know. This was this is only my second time um being on a podcast, but I love podcasts. So oh, full times with me? Yes. Yeah, 100 wow. percent That's awesome. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so um Sarah, for those of us who maybe don't know what what is Delap? So Delap is a fully integrated financial services firm and our, I guess our main office, I don't even know if that's like a term anymore, but our main office is in Lake Oswego, Oregon. We have around 100, a little bit more, 100 um, employees right now. So people are kind of starting to get spread out more, just not located in Oregon. Um, as the pandemic has gone on, people are kind of spreading out a little bit more, but primarily located in Oregon. So we serve clients that are based in Oregon, Washington, primarily. That's right. awesome. So you said that you went to the lap right after school. Yes. So graduated from the University of Portland. Um, and at the time, the lap uh, was a lot different. So we were, the firm was only around 35 people and just did the kind of typical uh, CPA services, did tax returns, did any financial statement work. And, you know, when I started at the firm, you just do whatever they told us to do. And so it was like, did tax, let's see, did, would do audits maybe through kind of end of February and then March, they would be like, okay, everyone work on tax returns. So I kind of started out doing both types of, of work and then slowly specialized. The firm was also growing and a lot of changes were happening too. So it was kind of, it became more of a necessity to specialize like in a certain type of work because it gets harder and harder uh, to know, you know, generally everything. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. I can't imagine switching between audit and tax. Yeah, we would just uh, kind of come back from being at a client's during the day and there'd just be some 1040s to do on our desk when we got back. I mean, and just like in general, it was like, you know, business professional attire at all times and the guys wearing ties and yeah. And there was wow. no work How from many? home option. No, yeah. Oh gosh, no. And I bet they wouldn't let you do you, how many hours a day or week were you working? (laughs) Are Um, you working? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would say I, uh, back then it was not uncommon to be close, you know, routinely close to 70 hours a week and you're at the office, you know, doing that most of, you know, all the time I hardly ever worked from home. 
I can't even remember at the time when I worked from, but we would be at clients, um, but we would lug around. Uh, we had a separate like suitcase basically for files that we'd have to bring out. And, um, you know, we'd come out with like printers and like, I would always have like staplers and scissors, you know, because we're like had paper files that we would be out of clients working on. So <laughs> but I was wild. a lot stronger because I had all this stuff all around. <laughs> Yeah, wow. are you on even on one side? Like one bag was heavier than the other side. <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, yeah, you're bringing like paper. I think, and then at one point we got um monitors to bring out to clients besides just a laptop, but the monitors were just like the ones from your desk. And so <laughs> oh. they were so heavy. I, I remember specifically in like the bottom of the monitor, like the stand, which is like get bruises in my legs from it like hitting um hitting my leg as you're walking so wow times have changed wow Mm -hmm. yeah they really have I mean even in just five years I would say like you know that would be something maybe that we would have done even five years ago so that's (laughs) crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) so when you first well I guess once you started to specialize in audit did you naturally find an industry because are you I guess first question would be are you focused manufacturing lumber what's your focus yeah typically things related to lumber so um lumber distribution primarily um in this area so whether a few not necessarily like I don't have any clients that like own the trees and are doing that so much but yeah lumber um a little bit manufacturing mostly lumber distribution and so you kind of, I feel like in general, some of the, uh, in public accounting, you're like, what you begin to specialize in is a little bit of luck or like timing related and a little bit of what you're interested in. They do take into consideration, like what you're interested in, but some of it is like the clients that we, you know, that you have at the time and kind of thoughts that are available and things like that. So some of it is luck too. <laughs> And you just didn't know that you'd work with cool people like us in the lumber industry. I know it's worked out so well because I do in general, like I always enjoyed the inventory piece of working with clients just to see how things like move around or how things are made. And so that always interested me. And yeah, I just kind of gravitated towards the lumber piece as well. Yeah. Inventory is so significant. So Mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy no I've never heard somebody say it and I just love doing inventory <laughs> <laughs> at least not in my company <laughs> so we're very thankful for you <laughs> so what does a typical day look like for you now you're a partner at Delap, and fast forward to you're not lugging around a monitor anymore <laughs> what does your day look like nowadays um yeah I pretty much just spend it on my computer doing teams phone calls with different people so whether the people are clients that I'm helping or um, just talking with people on our team internally. So just either checking in on client work, maybe checking in on them on a personal level. So I spend a lot of time on video calls. Um, Have you done uh, inventory on like FaceTime or anything like that during these times? Yeah, our firm has. I haven't specifically done it, but yeah, we have definitely done that. I think other firms are more, some of them have started using some like drones and things or always have depending on the size, but yeah, we have done one or two that way. Um, it, it definitely still works best to be in person, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> hey, that tag doesn't look legit. I'm <laughs> sending my drone over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'd be awesome. <laughs> you're, you're like, I can just imagine these auditors with like remote controls in their hands and they're like, flying down like "Mm, that inventory looks old let me check that piece out (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I think this cool. does not look like $2 million worth of lumber. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I just picture the experiences I've had, like flying like the remote control, like helicopters or things, and they're just like always crashing into um, things. So we'd have to learn how to fly a drone first. For sure. <laughs> yeah, that'd be important. That's like audit 101 training, how to fly a drone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, being somewhat on the outside of the lumber industry, what's your take on the industry? Not necessarily like what it's done in the last year, because that's been wild, but I guess what's just in general, what have you noticed that like some themes through different companies that you audit? Yeah, I think the theme is just, it's really high demand. So it's been for most companies like record sales years, which is good, but also brings a lot of challenges like supply chain issues, getting getting the lumber, getting uh, to places where it needs to be. I thought it was interesting in your last episode, you're talking about the truck drivers and not wanting to go to Colorado. And that was like something I hadn't ever heard before. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then just finding people too, or keeping keeping people healthy, being able to work too has been common, of course, everywhere. But those have been the biggest issues that clients have been facing. Supply chain, Whew. Do, do you think if you do you think if you ever left Delap, you would go apply for a job at a lumber company? I would. I know so much now. I could probably be <laughs> hopefully be a good salesperson. But what she means is, will you come to Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for a job? I mean, it says partner, but that's not serious. I don't. Yeah, think. <laughs> I honestly like another part time job. You could yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not working enough hours now, so mm-hmm. we could fill your downtime. Yep. So when you're dealing with customers, I know you're more on the oversight leadership side these days, but looking at like what your customers do and like what does an ideal customer do to make your job easier at the lap? Or what is like a like in the lumber industry, what could lumber companies do best, like as best practices to be? great customers for auditing purposes well something that natalie does really well is um (laughs) is ask uh like ask for advice ahead of time because it's easier to design design procedures you know or design the transaction for example um when we know about it happening ahead of time versus trying to react later um and we're like ooh, like right does it fit i mean we try to be like work within the accounting rules or the tax rules that we're given. Um, and, but I don't write them. So <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with all of them. So, you know, trying to work within them too is important just so we can kind of advise, I think ahead of time makes it the, the easiest people are trying to do. Cause I just, uh, especially on the back end, if we're coming in, you know, say February to do the audit and it, you know, everybody's in a rush, then it's like, we don't want to be digging through something like a, just, just even like a complex transaction that's happened, try to come up with the accounting for it. And then you're like, Ooh, like that's not what I thought it was going to be. So definitely asking right. advice ahead of time is the most helpful thing. That's yeah, helpful using, using you as a partner versus just treating you as an auditor that has to come in and have, we have to get through mm-hmm. the audit, which we have to get through the audit either way. So why yes. not make it as pleasant as possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a, definitely a partnership. Like we, do like to be seen as like a part of your team and be helpful to be able to answer questions during the year as things come up too is 
and like a trusted business advisor is, is what we're going for, I guess. Yeah. What's neat is that sometimes I don't even know what I need. <laughs> so we'll just catch up and we'll talk about stuff and then I'll be like, oh yeah, by the way, we did this is happening or we're doing this. And then we can talk through it before it happens. Whereas I don't have, you know, I don't always think in my brain, like, oh, I got to call the lap before we, you know, purchase this or do that. So that's actually really helpful for me. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we will get, or I'll get people asking questions like what are other companies doing with this? Or like, what are other companies, you know, showing their employees or um, just because I don't have, I think the tough part about being an auditor sometimes is you don't have like the detailed knowledge of every company that you're working with, but we do see a wide variety of, you know, of circumstances. So that's kind of where we can be helpful too. So in your day-to-day role, how much is managing your team? Most of it. (laughs) Most of it now. Yeah. I feel like, you know, doing like what I would have the pay, if we go back to the paper file, like when I'm actually like in a client file, I feel like is more and more rare sometimes (laughs) than it should be um, for getting stuff done. But yeah, a lot of it is just managing people and talking to people, kind of seeing how kind of similar how you mentioned, like you just having a conversation, other things come up um, that happen just, you know, internally as well. So have you always had like a mentor or somebody at your company that you looked up to when you were kind of developing and professionally into this role? Um, or did you look outside of the lap for that? Yeah, I definitely had internal uh, mentors and coaches. I think the accounting profession is is very male dominated. I would say it's starting to change for sure. But, um, you know, especially when I started like almost 20 years ago, definitely was. And so definitely had coaches like inside the lap, but I actually, there would be clients that I would work with that I would reach out to just kind of after the audit and just ask them like different, you know, advice, like how did they navigate their career? So just try to identify uh, some women outside of my firm and just have someone to talk to and bounce ideas off of and just meet with was really helpful for me. I would say I didn't even, I didn't always want to be a partner either. That wasn't like my goal necessarily right out of college. I kind of expected to just stick around in public accounting for five years and then go somewhere else. So, but that didn't, that's not what happened. And like, eventually I feel like my goals kind of changed to what I was looking for and the things that were kind of out there in the market too. So it's just kind of like a really good mix of luck and like evolving goals, I would say too, kind of led me to like want to even be a partner in the first place. But Right. It's kind of cool that you were part of that change in the company when they were growing and then you could see yourself being there at a different capacity long-term. I guess I would relate to you in that way. Same with Patrick. I I felt like you're, when you're in it, you're like, oh, this is just where I start from. And then you're like, oh, there's actually an opportunity in front of me. Like, let's see what that looks like. So that's really cool. Do you have a mentor right now? I would say it's like probably more peer mentors at this point. Uh, just some of the different partners within the firm, like are good, just like people resources, or even just talking with Natalie, just some good kind of people around um, that I talk to that are just out, you know, outside or like give a different perspective of, of the lap too. Do you know off the top of your head, this is just a random question, what the percentage is now of male versus female partners at the lap? Um, we, let's see, we have 18 partners and four women. 
And I think in most firms, it's not, it's, I feel like we actually, if I counted, I think we probably have more female employees. And so the, this is having other firms where the partner group is starting to become representative of like the employee of what the employees are, um, but it hasn't happened. You know, it's like a slow change for sure. So mm-hmm. it's getting there. <laughs> yeah, I guess we, I was just thinking we have 11, 11 partners and one female. Yeah, but it's changing, changing and evolving. It, it me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, so. so we all know Got what you. kind of crazy hours you work and your team works. And this is actually one of Chelsea's favorite questions to ask. I'm stealing it from her. But during busy season and when it's all crazy time, how do you keep your team motivated? How do you keep yourself motivated and then also pass that motivation on to your team? Oh, I feel, I feel like it's changed so much over the past two years too. I don't think employers can kind of ignore the, the impact of like mental health for people. So I think that, and like, that was kind of a slow realization probably that I made too, I think was burning like the candle too much uh, for myself personally. And so it kind of starts to take a toll on you. And so just identifying like, okay, like what are things that I need to do like in my own life to like or get more organized? Like how can I prioritize things? Are there things that I can have someone else work on? I mean, for my, like me personally, I'm not good at asking for help, like in any aspect of my work or at home. And so just kind of finding people that I can ask for help and just get better at that piece of it. And I think just giving people like the space to take, you know, if whatever, is it like an hour off to go just do something, especially away from the computer? Or is it like the rest of the day off to go and just, you know, create some space from the computer? I think people, especially like early on in the pandemic, got into such a habit of like, oh, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to stay here all the time and work and just you feel just so attached to the computer, like your phone or email you can be reached all the time. You have to create some boundaries around like when you are going to be reached. So we still have a long way to go in that aspect too, but I just think um, really like checking in with people, trying to just listen to them. If they, like I said, if they need time off, it's just kind of like what you have to give them that space because you can't just keep going and going without getting a break. So that being said, do you think that the firm has, taken bigger stance on mental health because of COVID? Yes. We, I mean, that has been, I guess some of the things like we've done personally is we do during busy season, we've done, done it for a while, but just do like a fitness challenge for people. So you get like the lap dollars for um, doing certain things <laughs> and not all of them are like walking related. It might be like doing yoga, meditation. Kind of. We purchased the call map for everybody. And so they would have access to like some of those resources on there. Oh, try that's to put cool. Out, yeah. It's really to, cool. <laughs> try to put out like um, different sort of like mental health tips for people every month. Um, we'll do just like different challenges, just kind of ways to kind of focus on that versus just trying to talk about charge hours. What's the conversion rate on a DELAP dollar? <laughs> I was going to say the dollar. same thing. <laughs> oh man. Um, what is it? It's like, is it two to one? I think maybe I've been like, the looks on it, but yeah. So they can use their DELAP dollars. There's a, like a prize list that they can use for different things to purchase. So the prizes get updated. Sometimes they're, let's see, like an example is like a hatch, like a alarm clock thing that does like the light, um, kind of oh. wakes you up with the light. 
there's also different Dilat gear that they can purchase or there's like gift cards they can purchase some passes to that um, like the national parks or whatever um so it's kind of stuff like that to encourage healthy habits Charles, we could do um patrick pennies <laughs> oh, that's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> except maybe we would have to change the conversion rate <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, it'd be cool because then people would feel like they'd be getting a lot when you're like, you got a thousand Patrick pennies. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm, we could do Patrick pounds, but that's not quite as fun. If we do so much in the Canadian dollar, it'd be kind of cool if that rhymed, but no other P's. No. Yeah. Yeah. But just, I think just trying to, from like an employer standpoint, just trying to do like creative things. It's And then I think too, it's just kind of like, especially with COVID, everyone has like a different risk tolerance for getting together. So you're, whether you're trying to just like do different things for connection with, with coworkers, you know, setting up like the virtual things versus in-person meetings. So kind of giving people options for how they want to connect with their, with, with coworkers. So what do you do? Are you guys doing anything in person right now? Yes. I mean, it's uh, definitely dependent on people's comfort level meeting with clients or going to going to their location, meeting them for lunch, kind of, we're definitely, we're open to it or, we, but we also don't require anyone to do something if they're not comfortable. I mean, speaking from experience, it is so much harder to do an audit remote, not like the actual work, but just like the reminder that the, like when the auditors are sitting outside your office, it's like, ah, I got to get this to them. But when they're virtual, it's like, I'll respond to these five emails and then I'll get that over to them. Yeah. And everyone in your office can also see them. So they'll know, be like, oh, Natalie's very busy. I should leave her alone. Yeah. Oh, the auditors are here. That's a good point. I didn't think yeah. about that. It was always a scary week. Oh, it's audit week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lena and I have been building it up real big this year. I think, was it last year? There was like one year where we like just forgot to tell everybody it was audit week. And then we were like, oh, we, we can't do that again. <laughs> Yeah, I think, that, and that's the other thing. I guess you guys recently kind of changed the size of your office and, make, and like people work like a hybrid schedule. And that we, um, I guess, are basically doing that. Like people can kind of work wherever they want to. We're not requiring people to be back in the office. So um, they're just like setting up hoteling space for people. And I think, again, I said people have different risk tolerances. So making space available for people if they want to get together and collaborate too is, is good, but to not leave out the remote people either. So yeah, that's pretty much but same thing that we're doing. Well we don't have do you have enough spaces for everyone if everyone wanted to come into the office? I don't think so anymore. Again, I don't have yeah, we did just get decrease our space a little bit just recently. So I don't think anymore we do. We again we were sharing offices before some of them. So that like if you could do that, then yeah we could that we could fit everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy change from 20 years ago or gosh, when did I start? Almost 15 years ago. Things have changed. Yeah, and I think we're also able to, like I mentioned, people might be spreading out at our firm. Like we can recruit people from different parts of the country too to be able to work, you know, for our firm and for our clients um, if they live, in, you know. I know, but here's an interesting question that maybe just you and I will think is interesting. <laughs> we're... <laughs> accounting the whole cost of living thing is kind of wild it's like so then we pay them Oregon's cost of living but what if they live in New York like how do you how do you deal with that yeah I think all that stuff is evolving because I think right now I mean I think initially 
people took their San Francisco salary and moved, you know, to Montana maybe. And now the company is starting to be like, hmm, yeah, I don't think we're going to pay you as much if you're not living here. So I think there are kind of adjustments starting to be made, uh, plus or minus, uh, depending on oh, where. interesting. So maybe it'll be based on their physical address. Versus... I think it will eventually get there. And then, I mean, there are in, uh, there's different income tax implications of being, you know, having employees in other states. And so just talking to my neighbor, um, he works for a local hospital and they they said, they told him that their payroll software would not allow them to hire somebody from another state, but they're trying to do like some external to pull some people in from other states for recruiting wise because they just can't find anyone here. And I was like, well, I don't think it's like a, it's not really like a payroll issue. Like their software won't let them. It's more of just like that opens you up to like all kinds of other things that you need to consider. So yeah. And like registering in every single state. Yeah. Licensing. Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some other implications. Yeah. But. So you kind of answered this a little bit, but I'm going to kind of twist it. So you said you didn't see yourself being a partner at Delap at the beginning, but did you always see yourself being a leader sometime, somewhere, someplace? <laughs> I guess not. I would say if like being honest, I probably you know, I always saw myself being an accountant. Like that was, I started doing accounting in high school for like friend, uh, family, friends, businesses or whatever. But I feel generally, I feel like an introvert is probably like my natural tendency. And so because of that, I was like, like on my basketball team or whatever, wouldn't necessarily have been the person who was the loudest or like the leader um, that way. So I think it's definitely something that I've grown into. Oh, you played okay. basketball. I did. Yeah. In high school. That's cool. Yeah, How kinda, tall are you? I'm not that tall. And so, well, <laughs> I grew really early. So when I, I've been like the same height since I was in fifth grade. Uh, so I'm like five, six. So, you know, early on, I was like taller than everybody, but gradually just yeah. became not taller than everybody. So my basketball <laughs> skills <laughs> didn't keep up um, the other, other pieces of it. So not as fast as some other people. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Who's your favorite? Uh, this has nothing to do with anything. Uh, who's your? Do you follow uh, basketball still? And who's your favorite team? If you do, <laughs> oh well, probably the Blazers are the. I mean, go the most to the Blazer <laughs> games. But I so I moved um, to Oregon from Minnesota when right ah. before I started high school, and so I usually follow Minnesota teams, but like never connected with the Timberwolves um, at all. So. Probably like would definitely say Blazers are my number one basketball team. The fans for the Blazers are awesome, so it's <laughs> hard not to like them. They've got a good following, so yes. yeah, fun team to follow. You know, it's on mine and Chelsea's bucket list someday to get Patrick to get Blazer tickets. We'll see. Yes, yeah. Once you get them, it's hard to get rid of them. So <laughs> I know it's so fun to go. I love when you guys take us. I'm sad that we didn't get to go this year. Still tickets available. <laughs> we can go okay tell me i can go tell me yeah. a lot with the audit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i talked about the audit a little bit i get to come <laughs> oh that's funny okay well we're at uh rapid fire time and okay. now these questions Woo-hoo. are longer questions but i think you'll be able to answer them okay so it's okay okay what's the last book you read this is the tough one. Um, I think it was the Power Moms book that you recommend. I think you sent me an article uh, from like the Wall Street Journal about the book. So I read the book. Oh, you did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it good? I didn't love it. 
Okay. So I shouldn't waste my time. <laughs> no, I just felt like it was like, it was just a lot of the stories and they're like, were not a relatable. Like they were just um, moms where I think the only thing I took away from it was like a lot of people have a lot of help. <laughs> so yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. What's the most recent thing you learned within the lumber industry? I think my knowledge of the types of lumber, like, is always growing. Somebody was telling me, I think it was about purple heart plywood, maybe, that they were telling me about. So I'm, like, always interested in learning, like, types and, like, looking at what they look like. Do you know that kind, Chelsea? Um, I know, like, purple heart or African purple heart or purple heart not uh mahogany monogamy (laughs) anyway (laughs) Uh, it's actually a really beautiful hardwood the purple heart hardwood um and i think it's from africa and it's gorgeous that that table i made natalie that's at your brother's uh house has some purple heart in it oh that's neat gorgeous gorgeous wood yeah off the tone but yeah it's like you never know could know all that i mean it's like it's like wine and regions and soils there's so many kinds of wood it's overwhelming but always fun and hardwood versus softwood and yeah yep oh yeah (laughs) okay um describe the lumber industry in one word growing yeah that's a good one very true from the trees also makes it it works double um okay and last question what is your favorite thing about the lumber industry Working with fun people. Oh, I support that answer. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being honest with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Sarah. You're a fun guest to have. Well, thank you. Accounting is really fun. (laughs) It is fun to, you know, a fellow, you know, you're in, you're a female in a male dominated industry, which is something we look up to, you know, you're, breaking through glass ceilings for people that maybe you don't even know you're treading a path for. So just keep doing what you're doing. You know, you have a lot of people looking up to you on your side of the industry and hoping to hopefully become a partner at the lap someday. So that's really cool that you're one of the very few. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely something I keep in mind. I'm also, people will say that to me sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, like, I don't know if I'm the best role model, but um, doing my best out here. <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> well, thank you. And I will see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.